Dear friends, this is Drew. I hope this uh, message finds you well. It's uh, worth stating the obvious right now that our country here in the United States of America is in the throes of a, a just a difficult season, to say the least. With the tragic and heartbreaking death of George Floyd and the memories of so many others that have gone before him in similar fashion, we at Fathoms are grieving the lives that have been lost. We lament the generations of suffering that have been endured by and afflicted upon the black community. We are angry at the systems and structures that continue to oppress. Abby Robbins on their uh, Instagram page earlier this week posted a handwritten note that said a very simple but deeply profound message. They said, anti-racist work is Enneagram work. I'll say that again. Anti-racist work is Enneagram work. So we at Fathoms uh, must acknowledge our privilege as hosts of the show, uh, as white males, and redouble our commitment to listen to persons of color and encourage you to do the same. We're going to link to some such accounts and resources in the show notes. We must be about our work of growth and transformation. And we must be about the work of transforming our communities. So this is not just about our own individual work, but it's our individual work as it contributes to the whole. In our last episode titled Personality Potential Practice, we talked about the depths of this work and how it's both brutal and beautiful. That getting beyond personality is a really difficult, challenging, complex, but worthwhile task. So in this Fathom 15, I outline nine stages of Enneagram learning. I think it's an honest look at what this journey beneath and through personality looks like in stages, because the Enneagram helps us in many ways, but probably chief among them, it helps us as a resource to chart a path of inner work in order to effectively do the collective work that needs to be done. So take care of yourself and take care of your neighbors. It's probably the best thing we can do for one another right now. Peace, love, and hope to each of you. In this Fathom 15, I want to talk about the nine stages of Enneagram learning. So, uh, consistent with the inherent logic of the Enneagram, uh, I'm going to talk about nine stages of Enneagram learning that are divided into three kind of groups of three. Uh, because uh, with all the talk uh, and enthusiasm and explosion of Enneagram material that's out there right now, I, I think it, it's important to dig deeper and uh, understand how we are supposed to approach this content in a way that helps us grow and change and work towards transformation. So here we go. First, this first group of three is the way of disorientation. All right, we have to go through a period of disorientation before we can begin uh, to get to some other aspects of learning, such as discovery, stay tuned for that, and then descent, stay tuned for that. But this way of disorientation includes three stages. First stage is confusion. This is the stage in which we first hear about the Enneagram, um, and we maybe wonder when we first hear someone else talking about what is this Enneagram thing. I've never heard of it before. Now, while some of us have been steeped in the Enneagram world for so long, 
it's probably important for us to remember that we all started our journeys here. All of us experienced a moment in which we first heard about the Enneagram. And this is really critical perspective as we follow the path. So that's the first stage, confusion. The second stage in this way of disorientation is skepticism. So many of us kind of heard or saw this weird looking symbol and heard about it from friends or coworkers and thought initially this Enneagram thing is probably garbage. I don't know why everyone's so obsessed with it. We want to maybe scoff, uh, but I think it's important uh, now, uh, if you're listening to this episode, you probably don't think you're not as skeptical as probably the average person who first encounters it. And you may scoff at those naysayers, but it's really important to also honor this step. It's a natural response to encounter something new and strange to us with skepticism. Because in fact, many of us probably went through that stage ourselves. So when we hear it in others, we shouldn't just roll our eyes and sigh but we should honor that step. So that's stage two, skepticism. Stage three is resignation. And this is the stage in which we say, fine, I'll look into it. Maybe our friends or coworkers have worn us down. We may say it's all anyone is talking about, or I might as well look into it because someone I care about cares about this thing deeply. And it's at this stage, the stage of resignation, that is really important to honor the wisdom of the Enneagram and the person who is willing to explore it. We must tend to both with care in, in ourselves and with others. So that's the way of disorientation, those three stages of confusion, skepticism, and then resignation. So moving into the next group of three, we have the way of discovery. And there's three stages in this way of discovery. The first stage, this would be stage four in this way of discovery, is the stage of wonder. So once we get past kind of the confusion, the skepticism, and the resignation, then we often come to this place of wonder where we think, holy crap, this thing reads my mail. This is the stage where we begin to be truly honest in our acknowledgement of our dominant type. We begin to see how our dominant type explains so much of what motivates us, and that causes us really to sit in wonder at being seen and understood maybe in new and unexpected ways. So that's stage four, wonder. Then stage five is simplism. (laughs) And this is really important that so often once we come through that stage of wonder, we come to this really simplistic place where we say, "I, I read a few books and listened to some podcasts, maybe this one. It's so helpful to have everyone I know figured out. So at this stage, we begin to turn kind of our working knowledge of the Enneagram toward others. And we kind of use it as a lens through which we make sense of the world. Now, unfortunately, though, too often it's a very simplistic lens that when left unchecked, it can lead to stereotyping and weaponizing the Enneagram because we've kind of figured everything out. That's stage five, simplism. Then we move to stage six, which is evangelism. This is where we kind of get to that phase of Enneagram learning where we think the Enneagram explains everything and I have to tell everyone about it. This comes very closely on the heels of simplism. In many ways, they kind of go hand in hand. But this uh, evangelistic fervor of stage six, in this stage, the Enneagram becomes the thing we talk about probably more than anything else in social settings. And books and podcasts are passionately recommended. And we just feel like we have to become the evangelist of this tool and resource. 
So those three stages, wonder, symbolism, and evangelism, form the way of discovery. So moving on to our final group of three, what I call the way of descent. And in this group of three, we come to stage seven. And stage seven, I call complexity. Because once we encounter the Enneagram and begin to truly work with it and let it work with us, we really become um, to a more nuanced and complex understanding of what this resource is. The more we learn about the Enneagram, the more we realize how little we actually know. And if we're honest, once we think we've reached the limits of this framework, new questions and new possibilities emerge. This stage of complexity requires, uh, really requires a learned humility that recognizes that there's always more that we can know. This thing uh, is infinitely complex and there's always more we can know. That's stage seven. Stage eight is suffering, which is the deeper that I get into this thing, the tougher it gets confronting my own stuff because real inner work is hard. At this stage, we don't use the Enneagram simply to label ourselves and others because if we do that, there's no change. Those that really get to this stage and stick with the work that the Enneagram can provide really find, honestly and brutally, a painful but worthwhile path of acknowledging and naming the darker parts of ourselves. This stage of the journey is the type of suffering that refines us. This stage is suffering. And then uh, from suffering, we move on to the final stage of Enneagram learning, which is stage nine, the stage of growth. And what we find here at this stage is that the Enneagram doesn't do the work of growth for me. I think it helps me realize my blind spots, where I need to let go of things, and where I need to change habits and practices. But the rest, this is an acknowledgement that the rest is really up to me. And it's at this stage, the stage of growth, that we recognize that the Enneagram isn't everything. It's really helpful, but only to the extent that we are willing to engage what we learn with attention and intention. The Enneagram, I think, is at its best when it gives language and light to many parts of who we are, but it's really up to us to cultivate the habits and practices for lasting growth and transformation. So there you have it. Nine stages of Enneagram learning broken up into three groups of three. And I think it's really important for us to be honest and humble about where we are on this path. Because so many of us can very easily get stuck at some of the earlier stages and be very comfortable there. In fact, do a lot with the Enneagram there. What's much more rare, but much more needed, are those who are willing to enter into the way of descent and engage with honesty and hospitality and care these stages of complexity and suffering and growth. Because it's in this space, in this way of descent that we are transformed. Truthwork Media Studios.